This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You stayed at home to lose to Wolves. Yeah. Instead of coming to Cameroon. <laughs> or instead of... You stayed at home to lose to Wolves. Oh, that's a bar. Hey, what's going on, people? This is the Talking Jackets Podcast. I am Daniel Cook. I'm half hope, hope, hope. It's your boy. It's your friend, Carl Anker. Yeah, we do this every Tuesday. Um, if you don't already, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics. Make sure you follow the SoundCloud page. We're on Facebook or Instagram, kind of. Um, and uh, apparently you guys have been leaving reviews, and because I live in America, I haven't been able to see them. So we figured it out um, with some crafty technology wizardry, if you will. And uh, we're going to read these out, so bear with us, but... People have been leaving reviews. I will go from best to worst, and we'll talk about the worst one less. Uh, so this review says, great podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Can Have Hope please acknowledge that Yakubu and Yobo are legends for the green, white, and green? Much appreciated. Will that ever happen, Double H? Let's move on. To the <laughs> yeah. That was a five-star rating. Another five-star rating from at Football Regista. I will follow you guys if that is your actual at. It says, don't mention my real name if attached, only the at. Stumbled across this podcast recently, and I really love the in-depth analysis you provide. Different personalities who provide different kind of knowledge on football, which is amazing. Double H needs to be a bit more open-minded on certain topics, however. Finally, you mentioned you watch ball, basketball, which is something else I can relate with you guys. What teams do you guys support in the NBA? Keep up the good work. And the extra midweek podcast is great. Um, that's a five-star review. What team do I support in the NBA? I support the team that Vince Carter plays for. It's been that way since 1998. <laughs> and it will um, continue to be that way. So I kind of support the Grizzlies. Well, but only because Vince Carter plays there. I've always been, ever since, literally the first player who I literally wanted to be, to be like was um, Penny Hardaway. So... Orlando Magic have been my team since like the mid nineties. So, because like Hardaway was like literally the, the guy who was the first player who I, I really liked and idolized. Um, so yeah, Orlando Magic. Whoever team LeBron's on, uh, <laughs> he's 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 one of he's one of the most interesting cultural figures in the last forty years of sport. He's terribly boring. He's terribly. Oh, boring. you know what? I really like Bruno. Ever since LeBron, when LeBron moved to Miami Heat, I despised him. Despised him. But since he moved to Cleveland, man, the only I, interesting he's LeBron. the only interesting thing LeBron has done ever is the decision. But let's like this isn't a basketball podcast. We'll do that in an extra. I also love the Pelicans because yeah. Anthony Davis. So fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah, this is from FM Fish Farmer. I wonder if that means football manager. So very funny indeed. Yeah. Wide-ranging football chat. I think that Have Hope should maybe have the courage to back down from his ludicrous statements once in a while, though. <laughs> Daniel's laugh is adorable. Thank you. 
Uh, <laughs> now, I mean, we say we don't read. Wait, 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 wait. Adorable. Maybe is this is is this? Am I being sexist and saying that that's probably a woman who wrote that review? It could be. Because I don't, do what? I the word adorable to say anything? I mean, I thought that when Carl read it out for the first time. In these reviews, why do I always get called out and singled out in these reviews? I don't. There's still one more double H that we're gonna read out. Um, this is from Shemek, my pitch up. All the best, guys. Great podcast. Found this through Double H's channel. Double H, while I often disagree with your views, parentheses, Arsenal fan, close parentheses, your personality and humor is outstanding. Keep it up, man. You too, Daniel and Carl. People are having to go at you, man. They're, they're leaving five stars. But Double H, you are a, uh, a divisive individual. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I don't agree with the kind of... Um... Criticisms that have been pulled my way, but you know what? Well, 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 look, as long as they left five stars, I'm fine, you know. So, therefore, it's okay. No, no, no. I mean, this guy, he could have given us a one star review, but he left a two, and I'm intrigued by people who leave two, three, and four, you know. So, I'm gonna read it anyway. I don't care. I like your ideas of football, but sometimes it gets too personal against some players. So, this guy is, I'm guessing, a Ronaldo fan. Just based on where our podcast goes most weeks. Um, also, being more objective instead of subjective. I mean, I guess that, that's a fair comment. So, I mean, yeah, that's constructive criticism, which I, I can take on board. But anyway. How does one rank the football objectively? If someone scores 20 goals in the league and another player scores like 19, maybe saying the player with 20 goals is better makes sense rather than trying to make an argument for saying the 19. I don't, I don't know. Person, <laughs> I'm just trying to make you think. I have no. I'm just trying to make you think. You. I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just trying to make you think. So, Double H, I don't know what you need to do. You're divisive. I'm, I'm going to use that as a segue into Arsene Wenger because the big story of the week, at least in my opinion, was uh, Chelsea maybe having the league wrapped up in February? Look, I mean, nine points, and who are, who are they ahead? Tottenham? Tottenham, yeah, Tottenham beat them. Wait, so Tottenham have beaten them twice, just once. They split. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Chelsea. So nine points ahead of Tottenham. No, it's it's Tottenham. Man City are the real threats, and ten points from Man City. Man City are far away. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously City have more more of a chance of winning the league than um, Tottenham do. So Tottenham. Nah, man. Like they're not. They're not even in the conversation for the I mean, title. I, I said last week that it's going to take something catastrophic, especially if Chelsea get the four points that I said they would get and that they did get. And now that it's kind of come to fruition, and Tottenham drop points on the Tuesday, which I didn't expect, but they are the perennial bottlers of the Premier League. I'd say. Oh, um, oh but, No, no. I'll, I'll let that slide. No, no. Go ahead. Who is? That's like I'll let that slide. Wait, 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 wait. So, so, so you don't believe Arsenal are the perennial bottlers or? No, I would say Tottenham are worse than that. Arsenal. Didn't say that. I mean, so that, that's like, I said, let's like keep it moving, keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I tend to look at things through, you know, blue tinted glasses, although I am a pessimist and I try to play reverse psychology with myself as much as possible. But man, I, reverse I, psychology is amazing, man. I always use <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I always I always look at things from the from a Chelsea perspective when maybe I shouldn't. So 
today I'm going to kind of leave Chelsea to the side. Like we can talk about them and where they stand as the, as the title race progresses. Right. But I'm more intrigued by Arsenal than anything. I've done it again. It's Groundhog Day. This really looks like the end of Wenger. From the way the game went to the press conferences after the, it really looked as if you know, this. Carl, I disagree. Be, if, if he comes he top see. four, do you think he's going to go? If he, if he comes top four, do you really think he's going to go? I think this is it. I think this, this is the end. Even if they think, come top four. <laughs> I think Arsenal, Arsenal are in a very precarious position right now. They've stalled. I think they've got the two star players, Ozil and Sanchez, are both winding down their contracts. I think I, I think this if the boards want to be ruthless, you know, he should have won the league last season and he didn't. Arsenal are in a position to win the league for the next four or five years. So maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is the year Wenger says goodbye. I was watching the game and I was like, they kind of lose to Chelsea in a similar manner, like almost every year, especially at Stanford Bridge. It's almost like they concede the first goal and then Chelsea kind of have the privilege if you will, to sit back and kind of counterattack, and then they get the yeah. second, third, however many. And it was almost like, Wanker, have, do you not learn your lesson yep. from 2012, 13, 14, 15? No, no, no. Because, because Chelsea haven't changed tremendously from Conte from Mourinho in that yep. way, that they are still a solid defensive counterattacking football team. And Wanker has been playing the same system Four for two past, three one. Two thousand years for the past two thousand years. But Daniel, no, this was the biggest mistake. Even before you went onto the pitch, as you said, you're playing against the Premier League leaders. One, you're playing against the best defensive team. Two. Mm. Any manager will know that if you're playing against a tough defense, you need a recognized striker. You have to have a striker presence there. Sanchez is not a natural striker. It may yeah. work against Sunderland. Remind, remind me again. Where are Sunderland in the league table? That may work against Sunderland, but against a strong defense, you cannot play a false nine. Are you ad- whoa, whoa, whoa. are you advocating starting Olivier Giroud? One thousand percent. Wenger got it really wrong by not starting Giroud. One thousand percent because it's not about Giroud being better than Sanchez, but Giroud as a target man is better than Sanchez. Sanchez is not going to give you a striker's pre- presence in there. So mm. for Luis and Cahill, they'll be like, man, few. We don't have to worry about a consistent presence in the penalty box because this chess kind of guy will move to the wing. He'll move out because that's how it'll be. But for Giroud, you know that you will always have to occupy that thing. And when that ball comes into the box, he will be there. Mm. With Sanchez, when the ball comes into the box, he may not be there. Okay. And it's shorter than, than Giroud as well. So, okay, so is uh, in, in my personal perspective, I think Danny Wilbeck would have been a more advantageous person to start at center no, forward with, with with Alexis wide. Given that, well, I, I guess you could say Manchester City did this to a certain extent. And if De Bruyne doesn't hit the bar, then maybe uh, they figure out the, the kind of formula to beat Chelsea, right? But the only team that actually really cracked open Chelsea in the way is Tottenham. Is Tottenham. And the way yeah. they did it was crosses into the box between Aspilicueta and Moses. So I so I do see your point where the, the flaw in Chelsea system is having a, a winger who's not a defender as a wing back and a right back who's under six foot as a center back. That's the the kind of the, the issue, if you will, with Chelsea's system. So you place a player there who can win headers, who can jump, right? So so maybe Giroud in that sense is the player to play. 
but you still want someone with a bit of dynamism to their game. And I feel like Wilbeck would offer kind of what Ali did. Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you calling Wilbeck dynamic? More so than Giroud, yes. No, no, no. look. Hey, 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 hey. I'm, I'm, okay. No Wilbeck slander. No Wilbeck slander here. Cow, I will slander who I feel like, like slandering. And Wilbeck is not dynamic. <laughs> I don't, I, uh, Respect no. that guy. Carl, open up the Oxford Dictionary 2017 and please read the definition of what dynamic means. Well, Danny Jeremiah Welbeck is not dynamic. I will Jeremiah, say to you. Mensa Welbeck is everything. <laughs> he's that guy. No, 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 no he's not. He's no, not. I don't think Welbeck should have started because Welbeck just come back from injury. I think Giroud definitely should have started. I think we, we know what happens to this Chelsea team now. And it's also, who scored? Wait, 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 guys. Who, who scored Arsenal's only goal? Drew. But Drew, see, the, if, you, if you let me finish. So, Chelsea, you've played the same first level in 10 games now of this ridiculous run. And you know what they do. Alonso will double up on you on the left. Moses will tuck inside a bit. And it creates this thing where Pedro will peel off, which takes away the fullback. And then you've got Hazard and Costa as your two attacking guys in the middle of the box, which is essentially how the goal sort of worked. Chelsea attacked by peeling away one of the fullbacks so Hazard and Costa can play havoc in the penalty area. This is the problem. And this is the problem that, that plagued Wenger forever. For about four or five years, Ferguson knew exactly how to beat Wenger to the point where he, Ferguson didn't have to have... He could beat Wenger with the, with the silver boys on the wings because he knew how to beat Wenger. And this is why I think this might be the end of Arsenal and Wenger now. I think, realistically, none of the top six clubs happy if they lost to Arsenal anymore. Chelsea and both the Manchester clubs should be going, we've got more expensive teams, so we should beat these guys. Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool should be, we've both got a pressing system, and we've got young players, so we can swarm Arsenal now and play the counter-attacking game that is really good against beating Arsenal. Arsenal's on the football field, maybe the worst of the top six against the other top six clubs because of Wenger's naivety. This might be it. I really think this is it for Wenger. I think you underestimate the lack of interest to win the league that Arsenal's board has. <laughs> because it, it's been 13 years since they won the Premier League. 13. Like, people have become yeah. teenagers in that time, essentially. That's crazy. Oh, oh, over 13 years, yes, you're in top four. But you would have thought if his directive is to win the league, he, he'd have been out eight, nine years ago. Because that kind of good but not great mentality, you can't be Chelsea manager and finish fourth, third, fourth. It doesn't work. You can't be Manchester United manager, I don't think, and finish fourth, third, fourth. Although maybe now you could. Yeah. <laughs> You, no disrespect. <laughs> that was, Danny, that was very rude. That was very rude. I'm just saying, if Mourinho finishes fourth from right now, I think it's a pretty good victory. But mm -hmm. I mean, like 2010. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, still. Or if Pep only finishes top four for four seasons, Let's be they'll change it. So this problem is deeper. In, this is the end point. The problem is deeper than Arsene Wenger. The problem is the person and people above him i.e. the owner, because the owner has to tell Wenger, look, this isn't good enough. And as long as he keeps getting, I don't know how to put it, as long as he keeps getting the most money or the less um, cash injection, 
then they'll just keep going to Arsene Wenger. If he keeps getting them Champions League football, starting Nacho Monreal at left back to where they don't have to spend money on some guy like Ricardo Rodriguez, for instance, that's what they'll do. I mean, if they have to spend... I mean, that, like it's it's like we said at the beginning of the season. If they go out and they buy Lacazette, they probably win a league. Yep. They're at least second. If they go out and get a top-class striker, that way Alexis doesn't have the pressure on him, and you give Ozil another option. But they don't want to spend $50, 60000000 because that's not in them, Wait, I don't think. Can I ask a, a quick question to, to, you, to you two guys? This summer, does Alexis push for a move away from Arsenal? Yes or no? Do you think that will happen? Not like what you think or think it, or if you're in this position. Do you think come the summer Alexis will push for a move away from Arsenal? Mm. Wait, let me, let me add one thing. They don't win any trophies. Because again, if they win the FA Cup, then who knows? Maybe he's with the celebration. So let's say... Answer me this, Double H. Does Wenger sign the two-year contract extension that's rumoured? Yes. I don't, think he sh- I don't think he will. I don't think he is. I think I really think after that press conference, I think he's not going to sign it. I think he's done. Wait, wait, what happened in this great press conference? I've not, I've not seen this. What, what did he say? It's how he said it. But he looked, the way, the way he conceded the title, said, yeah, the title's done, it's out of our hands, it's up to Chelsea. It looked different compared to his battles with Mourinho or with Ferguson. It really looked as if he was at the end of his powers and his capability. And Daniel, to go back to your point, do you think that would be changed by a new manager? Because I think if, if they got rid of Wenger and they brought in a new manager like, say, Favre, brought him in or, or somehow they managed to get Tuchel and Tuchel went I want 55 I'll get Benzema I think that can start a whole massive change in massive culture very embedded into what Wenger is Wenger his the staff has been there along with it's not just Arsene Wenger I read somewhere they've had the same goalkeeper coach for like over a decade like so if you new, but this is the thing a new manager would get would bring in a new goalkeeper right coach. right right and there would be a new injection of fresh ideas of modern yeah. football tech. It, it, I mean, there, there's a reason why Arsenal players keep getting injured. It's because in ni- in the 1990s, what Arsene Wenger was doing with nutrition and his training methods was, in a sense, revolutionary. But it's now outdated. There was a, a study I read that they did, like, um, they tested Arsenal's training pitch. And it's so hard that when, you, <laughs> that, 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 that when you combine the grass they play on and the method that Arsene Wenger wants to use where it's very quick, incisive passing that leads a lot to muscle injuries where you have like explosion plays and all that kind of stuff. It's very nerdy stuff. But basically his method of football and his training methods encourage injury. It's why Cazola can't play a full season because he's well, so susceptible to the it. injuries. It's why Jack Wilshere can play a whole season at Bournemouth. And then when he comes to Arsenal next season, he'll miss seven weeks from nowhere. Yeah, that's yeah. Is why, this is why I think Wenger's going to go at the end of the season. I think this, the people at the top don't care. I, I think it's, there's going to be a whole sea change, and this is it for Arsenal. They fall out of the top four, and a new guy comes in, or whether they, they kick on and become uh, the, the great Ian Chelsea next Ooh. season and say Wenger will not be Arsenal manager next season. We do need to move on, but just last question. If you were an Arsenal supporter, would you rather finish fifth Wenger leaves because he misses Champions League football and he decides, I can't take the club further anymore. You lose Sanchez and Ozil because obviously they would want to play European football. But you get a new manager. So would you rather finish outside of the top four, drop Wenger, potentially lose Ozil and Sanchez, 
but get that fresh injection of of new ideas. Yeah, you have to do it. You're getting a new manager. You're getting 120 million in your back pocket from those two, yeah. from those two sales. 120 million. Very good. Very good. Well, it's it's a thing where they're in the last year of their deal. They're not as worth as much as you might think. Maybe Sanchez to China is worth a lot of money. If we can go okay, to well, so, you know, Shanghai. So you're a new manager. You got you're a new manager. You've got 100 million, and you've got academies in the world. You've got one of the best training facilities. Some of the best training facilities in the world. You've got the manager, you've got the board going 100 million war chest plus the 150 million that you could have spent earlier that we've just got knocking around forever. Here's all the, some of the best facilities in the world. Here's London as a great attraction to new players. Yeah. You know what? You know, you know what? It's not even fifth. Like finishing eighth would be fantastic for Arsenal. Like no yeah, Europa I mean, League. You want to avoid Europa. You want to avoid Europa. But... <laughs> But anyway, um, uh, I think this is it. We've all learned you want to t- you want to tank and avoid Europa at all costs. United, I think United are gonna collect a few sneaky yellow cards and get some suspensions at the end of the season. Marino, if we finish eighth, we talk about Chelsea, we talk about Liverpool, we talk about Spurs, um, we talk about Arsenal week in week out. But done now. So let's talk about the bottom. Um, the bottom six are separated by about two points now. Getting really really dicey. Mm-hmm. Sunderland beat Crystal Palace which was an incredible display the full roll back the years. So now Palace are looking in danger. And I'm not sure Valadice's voodoo is going to save them this time. Leicester looked really poor, really defeated against Manchester United. Um, and I think they're, they're about to get sucked into it. Keep they're, they're going, damn, Leicester says you're playing in the Division 1 next season. Didn't you get the memo? <laughs> Bournemouth are looking quite poor as well. They're frequently conceding three goals or more in games. They got hit by, what, six goals, Apple? Oh, um, that's a re- re- reinstatement. So, gentlemen, your predictions, who's going to get relegated? Sunderland, um, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Leicester, City. Talk me through this, Apple. Okay, Sunderland, I think David Moimois just doesn't have it. He, he can't inspire those guys. And I just think that they may win a game here and there, but I think ultimately this Moyes and Sunderland is a bad fit. I don't think Moyes has it in his repertoire to survive a relegation battle. He can do well for Everton, but as far as a relegation battle, it's a different skill. It's a, it's a, it's a different set of skills that Moyes doesn't have. Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. I feel that Hull City, Swansea, Chris Pratt with the new managers, a new lease of life, I think that they will be much more re-energized than Middlesbrough. I think Middlesbrough will be a case of you always have to have one of those Teams, because I can't remember the last time all three teams who got promoted all stayed up in the same season. So I think Middlesbrough will keep the trend of like at least one promoted team will, will, will go down. And I just don't think they are as strong as Swansea, Crystal Palace, and um, Leicester City. It's a it's 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 a damn train wreck. Whereas I'm <laughs> seeing I'm seeing something renewed. I see I see a bit of electricity with. Um, Hall and Swansea, I don't see that for Leicester. I think that they know that they can't stop this train wreck that, that is happening. And it's the narrative. I think that is the, the, the narrative. Almost relegated one season, win the league the next season, get relegated the season after. I think that's the, the way that this fairy tale ends. Good reasons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move it on. Daniel, hit me with it. Who's going to get relegated? I think Sunderland are going to scrape out survival somehow. I feel like Jermaine Defoe is 
the kind of wild card in this situation that he will score oh, yeah. enough goals for Sunderland to stay up because it's what they do. They have a horrible season for like 25 games, and then in the last 13, they somehow scrape enough points um, to stay up. So I think Sunderland are safe. Crystal Palace is an interesting one. They've spent a lot of money, or at least money, in the January window. Um, they gave Allardyce funds. Like you say, he's never been relegated. I, I look at the team, and I feel like you brought in so many parts. Is it really going to gel that quick mm. in order to get the requisite point total? I don't think so. Um, Hull City, I take Double H's point, where I think the, the new manager, Marco Silva, is that right? Yeah. yeah. I like him. I've like his press conferences. He seems like a confident guy. He did win the league with Olympiacos. I think he was last year or two years ago. So he is a proven manager, at least in some aspect. Um, and Better I like what he's read. doing. He, he's he's been quite ruthless in the fact that he sold Snodgrass. Did he sell Livermore? Was Livermore there? Yep. Right. So he sold two players, I think, for around twenty million, um, with enough to bring in players that he would want. So I feel like Hull will kind of stay up. Um, Swansea, Clement, and Makalele. I'll throw uh, Claude in there. I, I like what they're doing. I mean, it, they were very unlucky to lose to Manchester City. But, I mean, they did beat Liverpool. I think they went through Guidolin, Bob Bradley, and there was another guy. And what I was waiting for a manager to come through and decide, like, we are going to try to be – we're, we're going to start with defense. They were all trying to figure out how can we score more goals? How can we score more goals? Like Bob Bradley and the manager from before who started the season there. And I was like, that's not how you do this. <laughs> you have to start with the back four and maybe, you know, at least two defensive midfielders. And I feel like Clement and Makalele, who come from the Carlo Ancelotti School of Pragmatic Italian Football, they should be able, I think, to get enough points over the next 14 games, I think, to stay up. Which then brings me to Leicester. The storyline of winning the Premier League one season and then being relegated the next, like, as a, it's too much to pass up. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucked up uh, <laughs> that they could be in the Champions League, like, round of 16 or the quarterfinals if they somehow beat Sevilla, but then be, like, 19th in the Premier League. I find that. Not, not not hilarious, but somewhat amusing. So, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, I kind of feel like Leicester are going to go down. So, I've got Crystal Palace, Leicester. And I'm looking at the next two teams, which are Middlesbrough and Bournemouth. And I don't really have a good answer. I don't know. Like Double said, I think one of the promoted teams is going to drop. And it's not going to be Bournemouth, right. I don't think. Right. So, so yeah, oh, those yeah, are my... Sky high. They're, they're like 12 or 13 now. They're... Their home rep, they've got 90 points at home. 90% of their points are at home. Their away record were terrible, but I think they're safe and dry. Yo, can, can we talk about how important Kante is? That Yeah, he's the best player in the league, undoubtedly. Probably. If, 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 he's, if he's in your team, you're a champion. If he's not in your team, you're relegated? <laughs> is he that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Wait, I thought Kante is the most... Unrated football player in the world right now. He must be. <laughs> he must be. Yeah. Because, he, because he, the thing about Kante is that he is playing with twelve men. Yeah, no, like, like it's literally. It's not yes. fair. Listen, he defends, he passes, he he attacks. He knows how to play through balls. He knows how to hustle. Every aspect 
of controlling and doing football, this guy does it. And remember the midfield, because remember I in in school I played in central midfield, and again, it's wrong to say oh this position is much more important. But if you think of it as like a system, the midfield is the nucleus of the team. That's the heart of the team. If you don't have a nucleus, it doesn't matter what your attack or defense will do. You you can't function. The key to a functioning team is you have to have a strong midfield. So you took Kante out of Leicester City. You didn't replace him. That means teams can now run through Leicester City's midfield easily. You know, and Kante, Chelsea's midfield right now, obviously Matic is also doing his thing, but he gives them so much of a presence, so much weight with tackling, passing, hustling, interceptions. That it just, it allows you to control games a lot more. He's, he's fantastic. The moment Chelsea bought him, I thought that was it. Chelsea's on the league. I think there was a really good stat that came out last week that he, he's he got the most tackles and interceptions in the Premier League. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Particularly a stat considering he's only been playing for in two of the last three seasons, but that's how, many, that's how much work he does. <laughs> and then um, there was some other ridiculous stat that came out. Miguel Delaney, who you should follow because he's a superb uh, football writer on Twitter. Uh, he said that you really see how unflawed Kuth and Morgan are. They're mm. not particularly mobile centre-backs. Kante's pace and running protected them very well. Same vulnerable. thing with Lewis and Cahill. Same thing with Lewis and well, no, Cahill. No, double H, double H. If, if you look at Chelsea from 2014-15, the best player on Chelsea, people would say Hazard because he won them the league, but the most important player was Nemanja Matic because he made... Yeah. He made Cahill and Terry, who were slow, to, just like Morgan and Huth. Um, he protected them in the same way. And he was, bar none, the best defensive midfielder, Matic. The next, yeah, season, yeah. the next season, Matic falls off a cliff, and so do Chelsea. Uh, now, th- now, this is even worse because Chelsea took uh, Kante away. So he's not, he's, he's not even in the team. And, and also, the parallels between Chelsea of last season and Leicester of this season are just so incredibly crazy because M- Mourinho is so, or I, I don't want to say is, but I don't want to say was either. I don't, I don't know what tense to use with this, <laughs> uh, but I'll say is. But Mourinho is so incredibly adept at winning leagues, right? In mm. the sense that he won at Porto, he won at Chelsea, he won at Madrid, he won at Milan or Inter, I should say. And he knew he knew what it what Chelsea needed in order to come back last season. The board didn't give him the money, and they they flopped right. But he had experience, and it was very tough for him to go again. Ranieri had never won the league. I think the I think he finished second when Arsenal went invincible, yeah. right? Yeah. Chelsea finished second, so he he didn't know. What it's like to go again, the second season syndrome. I wrote an article last year. I called it Golden Badge Syndrome, where you get the golden badge on your shirt and you automatically flop because the pressure or you you can't replicate the kind of desire and passion from the last season going into the next season. And when you have a manager that's so inexperienced at controlling or corralling or manipulating people to kind of go again, you're going to struggle. It's even hard for the best, one of the best managers of the past 20 years to do. Ranieri can't. 
because he just he's never been there. Mm. And then you sell yeah, your best Vang, player. Vanga's never, de- Vanga's never defended it. Vanga's never defended a title successfully either. Winning back to back titles is very hard. Oh, only and only that, two managers in the Premier League have gone back to back. Two, Mourinho once, and just Sir Alex is you know a myth. <laughs> so yeah. it's it, um, it's incredibly difficult. And then when you sell your best player. I mean, you, you remember when people were like, Danny Drinkwater, how could he not be at the Euros? Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> like, clowns, 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 clowns. So do we think Leicester are going, do we all think Leicester's getting relegated? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's how the story ends. That is how the story ends. Poetic. It's it's really not. It's tragic. Well, it's it's a tragedy. tragic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tragic ending. One of the Shakespearean ones, isn't it? Let's bring it up by three things. One, Kante's gone, so there's a massive gaping hole in the middle there in the midfield. Uh, two, uh, playing extra games a week means Ranieri can't play the same 11 as he used to and get that mm. consistency. Quite a few players are off the pace. Uh, Alua doesn't want to play. And also, I think the new, uh, the new set piece for defending, um, the way you can't grapple as much as you can for free kicks and corners, mean guys like Huth and Morgan, again, they look clumsy. They look cumbersome. They can't defend their pieces. When you said that Conte protected the back four, it wasn't just that because I was just watching him at Chelsea more intently because, you know, I'm just a Chelsea supporter, I guess. Um, and you're biased. And, he, the, the, and, and the, Double H, you mentioned it as well. His passing, his ability mm. to, to uh, retrieve the ball and then quickly pass forward or find the next pass that will eventually lead to the next forward pass is I think why you're seeing Mares and Vardy are struggling so heavily because their game was predicated on the counterattack, win the ball yeah. in midfield, and then you explode forward. When you don't have that player in the in the in uh, midfield to win the ball back at the rate that Conte does, it's gonna cut off whatever supply line Mares and Vardy have. That yeah. so you have the defensive side where he protects the center backs. And then you also have the offensive side where he's the pipeline, the offensive sustenance that you lived on. So he's so incredibly important to what Leicester did. Thirty-two million wasn't enough. Right. They gave up Premier League stability. If Sterling is worth fifty, he's worth eighty. Uh, if if any other manager, any other manager, any other season, do you think Ranieri would still be in the job? Do you think he should be removed from his position? No. Um, he's going to walk away before it happens. Based off what he did last season, he's unsackable. For this season, he's unsackable. Even if they go down and they're relegation, you, you can't sack him. I'm sorry. What he did last season is... Even the even the Leicester, Leicester fans are like, hey, man, we're still going to support our team, but you can never take away what... This guy led us to a flipping Premier League title, one of possibly the greatest football story in club for, for football ever. Mm. You're given a you're given at least one season grace pe- period to do whatever the hell you want. You would have then, thought Mourinho would have got that too, but he didn't, and he won no, Chelsea no, three no, leagues. Let's let's no no let's compare now. Chelsea with all that money, all that money. It's true, but I'm just saying Mourinho had the clout of three league titles, and I won one, you know, in May. He sacked me in December. No, no, no. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the same because basically you had all that money. And also Chelsea are a lot more of an established club who've been in, in the Premier League a lot more. Yeah, how, cra- how crazy is that that 
what about three seasons ago? Yeah. City win the league. Their manager gets replaced mid-season the next year when Pellegrini gets changed for Guardiola mid-season. Yeah. Uh, Mourinho then wins the league, gets sacked the next year. And Ranieri could win the league last year and get sacked this year. Is it dangerous to win the league? Like, should Conte be on alert? Like, <laughs> it's, 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 there's, there's an arms race. I think Ferguson was the, Benga is the last long standing manager you're going to see yeah. in world football now. Mm. Uh, was uh, it 20 years? Yeah. There was a really good, there's a really good, it's taking a weird tangent. Larry Bird made an interesting point about how <laughs> young players nowadays can only really listen to a coach for three years. After three seasons, young players just tune out what the coach is trying to say. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think I think that could be part of the course. I don't think you will see managers lasting in any job for more than three seasons. No, that's that's, that's one. Fine. The job is too intensive now. I think it, you know, much like how we look at photographs of Obama at the start of his term and at the end of his term, I think it's something similar now to football managers. If you look at Pep Guardiola when he started at Barcelona and when he left Barcelona, he was knackered. He was getting four hours sleep. Information managers have to process way too much. And I think this is being, especially in the Premier League, where we don't have the director of football and managers are expected to do everything all at once. I think... Severe risk of burnout. I wouldn't. I think Pochettino wouldn't last more than five years as Spurs. Yeah, three to five years for any manager now after Wenger departs. Well, I mean, it, it, that also depends on the level of expectation. Like, just to extend your Obama metaphor, like being yeah. president of the United States is far different than being the president of. I, I don't want to disrespect any other smaller country, so I won't say one. But being man, be, being manager Green of Green United Green is Green far. It, Go say it again. Greenland, Greenland, president of Greenland. Yeah, nobody lives in Greenland. Like you could be president <laughs> of Greenland. Sorry, anyway. I mean, I, knowing how much people watch football and love football, I'm sure there's someone out there that'll catch this in Greenland and kind of write a mean review or block us on Twitter or something. But you can be president of Greenland for 50 years and keep black hair. Like you can't be president of the United States for four years and expect your hair not to turn gray. So I do feel like there's a difference. Just so, like, Wenger managing... Well, again, it goes down to expectation. You can manage 20 years if they don't want you to win the league. You really think the Arsenal bosses don't want to win the league? They don't know. That's not, it's not a, a priority. What is a priority is... Look, Carl. I don't think Arsenal they care have, if they win the league or not. I they think they care they if they're in top four or not. Wait, basically, That's Arsenal difference. have the highest season tickets in Europe. I will repeat myself. Arsenal have the highest season tickets in Europe, more than Barnick, more than Juventus, more than Real Madrid, more than Barcelona. These are business people. They care about making money. And the price of the season tickets... Whoa, 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 whoa. I, you know what? I thought about this argument yesterday. Yeah. And the cost of living in London, does it make sense that Arsenal have more... That they, that they charge a higher price for season tickets than somewhere like Munich. You guys live there, so maybe you could have like a better insight to this. But like the, the, the thing though is that it depends because like basically around where Aston is low is located, it's not that high income like the Holloway Road Archway area. But people who live in Hampstead, who live in Islington, those are far wealthier areas. And a lot of the people you see going to these games live in Hampstead, live live in Islington, they live in Golders Green. So therefore they can afford the high prices. Because again, mm. for, for London, it's it's basically, 
um, I think it was even Robbie from Aston Fan TV. He actually interviewed some people who used to go to Highbury. And these guys who used to go to Highbury, they said they can't afford to go to the Emirates anymore. Because these guys that used to go to Highbury, they lived around Aston, Holloway Road, that kind of area. But they said that they were, they were priced out, that they just couldn't afford the tickets to go to the Emirates. So therefore, you're getting a lot of people away from the immediate um, vicinity of Arsenal Stadium who are now who are able to afford to go to the stadiums, i.e. Um, Islington, Hampstead, and so, so forth. So Arsenal have somehow gotten away with charging the highest season tickets in Europe and delivering extremely mediocre um, achievements. Is, so, but is as long it? As, I'm, 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 this guy's business. Guys, guys, we're, talking, we're talking about Arsenal too much. Keep it rolling. <laughs> Keep it rolling. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, yo, we're getting sucked back into Arsenal again. Carl, who, who are your three relegated teams? I'll pose your question back. Oh, no, at the start of the season, I said Swansea, I said Burnley, and I said Hull. But Hull looked very, very confident with Silver, so I think they're going to stay up. Sam Allardyce's luck's going to run out, so I'm going to say Palace are going to go down. Moy said if he knew that there'd be no money, he wouldn't have joined Sunderland. <laughs> so, he to, so he had to sell Van Aanholt. Um, but I think, I think Sunderland need to go down. But I think, I think they need to go down and purge a lot of their ills. I think they've got... That, it, it would court. be good for Jermaine Defoe. Like Jermaine Defoe, he keeps saving them. And then you just get back into the next situation, the next year, the next year, the next year. So maybe he could find his way to West Ham, like was rumored in January. So you have... Sunderland, yep. Palace, Palace, and third team. I'm gonna stick my neck out. I'm gonna say Leicester are gonna stay up, and and I think Bournemouth are gonna be in trouble. I'm gonna be left field and say Bournemouth. Bournemouth concede far too many goals. You can't concede three goals season and and stay up. It's great they got Jack Wilshere. I think Nathan Naki going was really is a real loss. Yeah. Callum Wilson being injured is uh, a real loss as well. But I think they're 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 only two points above the drop zone. I think they're gonna get sucked in. So that's that's me, and that's my relegation talk done. Um, yeah, Nations Cup, amazing story for Cameroon. First of all, this was before they embarked on the Nations Cup. Eight players, I believe, either refused to go or they got injured. Eight first team players. Again, we all know about the whole Joel Matip situation that happened. So, when you think that eight players didn't even want to go, they have not did. They, I don't think they they got out of the groups in the last Nations Cup. Cameroon have been a bit on the slide from the heights of Patrick Mboma, Jeremy Samuel Eto'o, and so forth. You know, no one thought they'd get anywhere. And Hugo Bruce, this was his first time ever coaching an international team. So all eyes were really on Ghana. Egypt, Ivory Coast, Senegal, DR Congo. And I said that Senegal, they've peaked too early. So by the second game, I said, no, Senegal are not, not going to win it. They're one of the best teams that they're not going to win it. I think that um, Cameroon, they just slowly got better, slowly and slowly and slowly, and they saved the best for last. Because Egypt just, they, Egypt were never very good in this whole tournament. Like they never really lived up to their heights of what they did when they won those three nations scores. But that's final, man. 100% Cameroon deserve to win it. And again, what's a goal to actually win it? Like, that goal from Abubakar was absolutely amazing. You know? And also Cameroon, they host the Nations Cup in two years' time. They're going to be the Confederations Cup. So I think it's very exciting. I'm just hoping that Hugo Bruce doesn't allow those players who refuse the call-up to ever play for Cameroon. And he literally builds 
a team based off these young players. Because Roger Miller was saying that, yeah, man, these young guys did us proud, but these young unknown boys did the country proud. So this should now form the basis for Cameroon for 2018 and um, the um, Nations Cup in 2019. I mean, uh, yeah, player just... of the tournament for you? Player of the tournament has to be Benjamin Mokanjo, um, Cameroon's captain. Um, again, he may not have been as flashy as Kabananga or as um, Mane, but consistency. He was very consistent throughout. He was the man of the match in the final, and in every single game, he led by example. You know, literally how he, he played was how everyone else in Cameroon played. So everybody else followed his, his, his lead. So he was just very, very, he was consistently quality as the central midfield hearts of that team. So yeah, player of the tournament. Your match of the tournament, the game of the tournament, oh, that really uh, summed up the whole tournament for you. The, the match that easily has to be um, DR Congo, Ghana. That was the, like, the best match. And the most annoying thing is that DR Congo, the deserve, I think DR Congo Cameroon would have been an amazing semi-final because Ghana easily were the biggest disappointment. So, because Ghana should have lost that game like 3 or 4-0 in that first half. But they somehow came out. Rise to that. Yeah, but the semi-final, I was saying to my, to my Ghanaian friends, and they agreed with me that they were an, an embarrassment in that semi-final, that they were awful. Not going to rise to that. Yeah. So, Grant's man, you know, yeah, look, because he, he's... I mean, Grant should never be allowed to coach another football team again. So, <laughs> no, no, he should not. He should not. I will agree with you there. I will agree with you there. Do you guys realize he was one slip away from winning the Champions League? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if, 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 if that's your candies and nuts... If you were Cameroon manager, or I guess this is for both of you guys, mm. uh, although Double H, you kind of answered it, uh, and Joe Matip and the rest of them were just like, nah, because I'm not coming. Like, are they in the qualification group, or are they out of World Cup contention? You talk with the squad. I, I, if I'm the manager, I hand that over to the squad. I go to the squad, and if they say no, then no. I'd be like, fuck him, bro. I'm real, that's, I'm, that's absolutely interesting. I'm petty that way. Like, there's no way if I was a manager and you said you don't want to play for the country in the African Cup of Nations, that you're coming into the World Cup squads. Like, no. No, hell no. Hell Abs- no. Absolutely not. Because, and, and then, I, I believe, is it 2019 they have it in Cameroon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not coming there either. No. Hell no. Get the hell out of here. I'm not picking you. And, and this coach will probably have the license to do that because he has an African Cup of Nations now. So he's not going anywhere. So, oh, and even the Confederations Cup. Like, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not picking you. Yeah, no, no, no. Get the hell out of here. Like, basically, the right thing to do is that you have to reward these young boys. That, no, you guys now are the future of Cameroon right now because you achieved something exceptional, mm-hmm. you know. So, therefore, you right now are now going to be my Confederations Cup team, my World Cup qualification team, I'm a team for Cameroon. Whatever, if we we don't qualify, who knows? But I owe it to you guys that you are now my you're you're now the heart of my team. This squad we had for the Nations Cup are my squad for the World Cup and for Cameroon in two years time. The other guys look at him like a fool. Like you you stayed at home to lose to Wolves. Yeah. Instead of coming to Cameroon, <laughs> or instead of you stayed at home to lose to Wolves. Oh, that's a bar. <laughs> That's what you did, man. You, 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 you lost a bunch of wolves, man, from flipping Birmingham. So and then you lost to Swan. Like you better get the fuck out of my team, bro. 
I'd be ruthless. Like I, I can't. Nah. Because <laughs> I, I can so imagine them being like, "Oh, what do you mean I can't come to the World Cup?" Like you did. If you're not with me at my worst, don't be with me at my best. Like, no, yeah, it's yeah. I'm not I have no idea what that is. I just see it like um Twitter bios. <laughs> if you can't love me at my worst. <laughs> uh, it's 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 badly paraphrasing Marilyn Monroe. But hey, we've got the whole cultural spectrum on talking tactics. <laughs> right, next subject. Moving on. Keep it rolling, keep it rolling. What do you mean by world class? We're gonna get this out of the way. I'm sorry it's taking so long. What do you guys mean by world class? What does world class mean to you? All right, I'll I'll be happy to click off. World class to me is two aspects. First aspect is you have to be top two, top three player in that particular position. First, second, you have to be consistently playing at a high level over a number of years. Those How are my many? Team. Okay, a minimum of three years. <laughs> okay. That's that's fair enough. High you level performance a minimum of two, of two years, and you have to be top two, top three in your position. Interesting. So Carl? by this definition, Kante mm-hmm. needs one more year to be world class. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Yes. No. No. Yeah. No. You can say yes or no. Yes. As I said, he needs one, one more That's year like for me question. to. As a I'm not judging. I'm just. I'm just clarifying. But what did I just say? I said Kante is the most underrated footballer right now. If you were to ask me, is Kante world world class? Give me one more year playing at the. You can't call Kante. My point is Kante is not underrated because everyone knows he's the one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Correct. And and once again, I'm not using this old word. I fucking hate the word overrated. Oh, I saw. <laughs> you know what? I already broke the the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you so already did. You're okay. You should, should actually use that as as, I, as the intro. When he starts, you know, get get the fuck out of my team to the Cameroonian guys. You know, that should be the intro. Yeah, I hate the word overrated. I'm now I'm going to be referred to as the old word because let's we're going to have proper discourse here. I I like your definition of world class. I hope. My, my definition is you have to be top five in your position and you have to have, because my definition, well, I changed it to top five because I want to have a bit more uh, leeway with different positions and formations. A world-class in a 4-2-3-1, us in a 4-3-3, for example. I think someone like Pogba needs a three-man midfield. So, you know, I think he's world-class, but I think he's world-class in a 4-3-3, if that makes sense. But he's not world-class in a 4-2-3-1 think you have to do it for two seasons for a cycle of a continental tournament i know continental tournaments are every two seasons i think top five top five in your position and you've got to do it for two seasons at least and therefore i will call you world class the way i describe it is if aliens attacked for the 11 to defend humanity and was picked up would we be like yeah all right humanity saved if not you're out interesting like a space jam kind of thing <laughs> like a space jam thing. So <laughs> space jam thing. Uh but you know, so but you know, I've got top five, which means you know is a, a world class striker, but he's not a world class striker in a four two three one. He needs someone up top with him. He's a world class striker in a four three three. 
Um, and that's why I like to play around with stuff. Hmm. I think Harry Kane's going to be world class very soon. I think Harry, give Harry Kane one more season, he's world class. Really one more season and he's world class? <laughs> Wait till you did. So, John, come off for a road. Oh, you think Harry Kane is top five striker in the world? I said one more season. He's, he's up there for the he's at the discussion. You can talk about it. Nah, he's I not can't. even better than Lukaku. So, oh yes, he is. No, he's not. Lukaku is a better striker. The dude just scored four Gs in the last game, bro. Four Gs. Four Gs. Four Gs against Bournemouth. I don't care. Four Gs. Well, after Harry Kane, Lukaku is undoubtedly Lukaku is twenty three years old and he's undoubtedly a great striker. He is a fantastic flat track bully, got power, and he's got a great shot, but without very much backlift. I think Harry Kane's got some better link up play. Harry Kane's better in the air. I think Harry no, Kane. Isn't. I think Harry Kane's better running the channels. No, he isn't. That, that's a discussion. <laughs> okay. I disagree with you there. I mean, like, I I respect he's, your. He's like, Next, Definitely next, class, next, course. Daniel, Daniel, your definition of world class. <laughs> uh, there was a judge one time who was asked something about pornography, and they asked him, "What is your definition of pornography?" And the judge said, "I don't know what the definition of pornography is. I just know it when I see it, and that is my <laughs> definition of world class." I, I know world-class when I see world-class. I don't need top five, top three. I feel like my eye tests can look at a player and say he's world-class. And it's annoying to people because you can never get someone else to look at football or anything, really, from your perspective with your life experience, etc. cetera. But uh, if I look at a player and I think he's better than great, then he's world-class. I don't need to say you need to do it for five seasons. Three seasons, three seasons, three. That feels, three. That feels so arbitrary. Like, you just pick a number out of your ass, like, top five, no, 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 no. This was top, top five, and then you have to do it for three this seasons, and you have to ass. fucking stand on your left foot, juggle strawberries with your left hand. Like, it just seems like you're just making shit up. You know, everybody knows what a world-class player looks like. We don't need to have an argument over whether Messi's world-class. Has he done it for three seasons? Has he, he done has. it? Has he done it for Argentina? Blah, blah, blah. He's world-class. You can just look at it and know. Like Hazard, it's why I can look at Hazard and be like, world-class player, or at least world-class talent. And somebody else can look at it and be like, well, <laughs> he hasn't done it in this. He hasn't done it in that. It's, it's all subjective because everybody looks at it through their particular lens. We've just got, we, we, had a, we had an iTunes review saying we should be less subjective, and we've just been subjective for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, was, that was a debate topic. What is world class? You guys tell us what you guys you. think world class is. Um, at Definitely. Talking Tactics, um, at Daniel to Look, at Have Hope Hut, at Anchorman616. Get in touch with us. And what do you guys think world class is? Do you have some grandiose structure matrix Excel spreadsheet that you have? Or do you just look at a player and be like, yeah, he's, he's world class? Uh, I had a very interesting listener DM me and say, World-class, to be world-class, you have to be able to play at a very high level, regardless of team or circumstance, impossible definition, because it completely removes the human element out of football. But everyone's got their own version. Mm. Question, question. Let me pull them up. He's had some Oreos. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Should Alonzo's goal have stood? Arsenal fans are saying it's it's a foul when Alonzo knocked out Bellerin with his elbows. Uh, that's from, that's from Kieran at 49-13-00-36-3. All numbers in your Twitter at Jesus Christ. Easy, man. Don't insult his, his Twitter What if that's his phone number? I just asked this. How else was Max Alonso was supposed to jump up for a header? Uh, apparently, what? Arsenal fans wanted him to jump as like like do you know oh, 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 oh. oh oh sorry let me just put my hands and and, and put some so little pixie you know dust in the thing. I'm kind of scared <laughs> to bring this up because if somebody doesn't know what this example is it's going to be like oh that that's exactly what Africans look like. Well if, if but if if you guys have seen the Maasai tribe in Kenya. Ah. You know how they jump just straight up like yeah, 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 without yeah. using yeah. their arms for back lift, it's just jumping straight up. Is that what you expect? <laughs> just I'm gonna like like my my father's from Uganda, and he always says like jump like a Maasai. I don't know if that's Ugandan Kenya beef or whatever, but he's <laughs> he's not gonna jump like a Maasai. He's gonna have to use his arms for leverage and also to protect himself. Contact really interesting point. He said uh, it's not a foul, not in the Premier League, maybe in Italy or Spain, uh, but in the Premier League, no. That's a foul in La Liga. Um, but, but we're not in La Liga. Probably, we're it's, in it's, England. It's, it's the it is. It is. It is. It is a foul in, in La Liga. It is. It's, I, I, it's a foul, foul period. It's it's a foul period. But it's it, but is it a foul that you call? You, you yeah, understand what I mean? It's a foul. It's a foul that's called in in it's a, Italian and Spanish football. I, feel I don't think it. so. I think that I think if that happened between Inter and Juve yesterday, that would have been. No, no, it's true. Like in in a big game, a referee will call that. In a big game like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus against like Roma, that foul will probably get get that called. But but I feel like if um a play ends in a goal, I'm not necessarily sure a referee or a linesman is gonna want to call a goal back. You know what I it mean? Like before though, it's happened before. So like if Alonso skies his header instead of going into the ground. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Atkinson calls the foul. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a good but, point. It's it's interesting. Our referee called. But because it's a goal, I mean, you know, you know, do I really want to call like, this goal back? Like that's not a foul. Like I mean, if you're in football, if you're trying to go for a header from the ball and you have to compete with someone, that's how you jump. And also remember, Marcus Alonso, he's not a very aggressive player. Case in point, if Koscielny or Gabriel were actually where they were supposed to to be. Oh, no, sorry, if Koscielny and Mustafa were actually where they were supposed to be, they would win that header. Mm. But Bellerin is far smaller. Therefore, Bellerin being he, the only guy in the penalty box because Koscielny and Mustafa decided to go to Neptune, it's going to be advantageous for Marcus Alonso. And when you're jumping for a header of the ball, you have you jump with your hands. That's watch what you do. Watch what is a foul is if you're not, you're not using your hands in a forceful way to try and, let's say, elbow someone or shoulder someone. But right. my gosh, you, you use your hand as leverage because you're competing with someone for the ball. So the natural human reaction is to use your hands because you're saying, I have to compete with you, so I'm going to use a little bit of force to try and win the header ahead of you. That's what happens. So I'm sorry, that's when I foul. You're competing for the header. And Marcus Lawrence did not use his right hand in any aggressive way to um, stop Bellerin from winning the ball, so therefore it's, it's it is fair fair play. And for it was just for Bellerin, it was how he fell. His injury wasn't what Alonso did; it was how he fell down on the ground. So no, yeah, he was knocked out before he hit the ground. 
he was his shoulder. How he fell. It was how he fell. It, no, it was getting hit and then how he fell. Because it's it's like a boxer being punched, knocked out before he hits the ground and then hits his head on the canvas. It's like a double concussion almost. From yeah, Marcos yeah. Alonso? Marcos Alonso is yeah. six foot one. He's a huge... huge Have you seen how, how skinny he is? That dude is... He's a big guy. He's a big he's, guy. And veteran isn't very big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mar- Marcos Alonso, he might not look like it because he has a three or whatever number on the back of his shirt, but he's like over six feet. He's, yeah. a, pretty, he's a pretty big guy. Um, one thing um, I was impressed with was how it was taken seriously. Bellerin was not allowed to continue. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Obviously, mm. disappointing, disappointing for Arsenal, but that was the right medical thing to be taken. Also, taken uh, I mean, a, the Premier League needs to do something about head injury in that way. And that is it good enough just to take him out for this game. So uh, what, what, uh, what I mean by that is, let's say he gets injured in the 90th minute instead of like the sixth minute. Does that mean he misses the next game? Because he should. I, even though, he should. as a precautionary measure, if you leave the game from a concussion, you shouldn't play the next game, at least. No. Because um, the first concussion isn't the bad one. It's when you're not fully recovered from a concussion that you've had, and then you get another one. Mm. That's what starts um, CTE and brain trauma. That's what makes it worse is the second one. Fair point. And and also when you when you're playing a sport, especially maybe is Bellerin's a defender that uses his feet, but defenders they're gonna want to use their head as well. So if you're concussed yeah. and then you head the ball, head the ball, head the ball, head the ball, that's your your brain's never gonna be able to heal itself from smashing against the inside of your brain or your skull, rather. Um, Bellerin get real soon. It was a foul, but no, Bellerin, take your time. Uh, that goal is no way. Gabrielle at right back. Are you serious? Take your time, oh. bro. Gabriel right back and has up making Coquelin spill on the spot. That's why you lost the game. <laughs> has it oh, been in a spin cycle? What? What? What a goal! Amazing. That was that, that was that, that was amazing. It was amazing. That was what I saw as world class, guys. Um. Anyway, next question. Since yesterday was Cristiano's birthday. No, for fuck's sake, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, look, I apologize. What are you guys' favorite that. goal of his? Double H has to answer this also. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. And you know this is from Foot God. My favorite Cristiano goal. You, you know, my favorite Cristiano goal is a goal that wasn't. Oh, yes, yes. It's yeah. it's it's the goal he had for Portugal that Nani yeah. headed in that was oh, offside. Goodness. And he yeah, went ballistic. That goal would have been... One of the best of his career, without question, and Nani just came in and ruined it. <laughs> but 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 as as for a goal that stood, um, the long screamer he had against Helton in the Champions League against Porto. Oh yeah, where he I, oh yeah, where I think the celebration was. I think he just pointed to his thigh. That might have been the one. Maybe oh yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that goal United. I think it was like, yeah, yeah, it was for United. I think yeah. two thousand. Nine Champions League, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of my favorite Christian long shots. And he said free kick was wasn't there a free kick against Arsenal? That was really yeah. good. I got a few. Yeah, I mean it's hard to keep up. I mean, but... I'll probably save the. Um, I mean, there are there are two that come to mind. There's the counter attack, which happened from I think a corner kick, where literally from like his own half he started the um, counter. 
I think did like a one-two with Rooney or something, then basically finished it off at the end of the... Oh, yep, 2009 Champions League semi-final against Arsenal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. I think, wasn't that like the free kick from like freaking like 40, 50, 50 yards out? And it was in the corners as well. Actually, no, another crazy goal was his header in the Champions League, where literally, I think he, he, was, he must have been in the air for about five seconds. Like the leap and just and the hang time in there was just crazy. He so. has like NBA hops. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. His hang time is crazy. It is him, it, it, him and Kurt Zuma. If you ever seen Kurt Zuma jump, they have the most enormous. Like I worry for them when they land. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. It's just begging Zuma for one yeah. slip and an ACL injury. Like every time I see Ronaldo jump, I'm like. Just don't land on anybody's shoe because you will ruin your ankle. Because mm. I, I told ligament to my ankle doing that once. Um, oh, just I'm on shoe. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. I'm all right. But, yeah, I just always worry about players that jump really high. Like, guys, it, it terrifies me. Um, so, Carl, you're a United fan. You've watched Ronaldo probably more than anybody here. Maybe Double H is a bit older than uh, that. The, the Portsmouth like the very first knuckleball free kick that Ronaldo scored was superb. Drug but he does credit for that Luis. technique. You guys gotta chill out. Yeah. Now every time David Luiz hits it, this is a Ronaldo this is a technique perfected by Cristiano Ronaldo. Like no, he trained with Didier Drugba no. for like three years yeah. of his career. That's where he learned that shit guys. Luis always gives credit to Drugba for that. But yeah, yeah but the, the announcers the knuckleball... no, still Cristiano Ronaldo perfects this to at me for. <laughs> I'm just annoyed. Like, give Jogba his credit. Look, is one of the most influential strikers in European football, and that's a story for another day. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I really interrupted your Cristiano point. I'm sorry. And also, the knuckleball is really damaging your knees. If Ronaldo's going to keep playing until 35, I don't. I think she'd probably retire the knuckleball. I want to pick a recent one. I'm going to pick the goal he scored against Wales in the Euro 2016 semi-final. I watched it in Lyon. Uh, I watched. I watched him score. He got amazing height on it. And watching him, watching Ronaldo jump in real life is—he's got this really interesting trick where when he jumps, just at the moment where he reaches his zenith, he turns his hips, and that's what gets him that extra bit of hang time. Yeah, watching Ronaldo jump in real life is great. So he scored. He got mobbed by all of Portugal. Fall off him for celebration, which made <laughs> me laugh out loud. <laughs> he celebrated twice. After he did the celebration, he then watched the goal on the replay in the stadium. It was it was wonderful. It, it was it was such a great. I was so glad I got to see him live. I mean, how much were the tickets for that game? The ticket when it was 130 euros. So I bought I bought a semi final ticket. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize it was a Wales game until. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Till I flew out. But yeah, the Euros are fantastic. I'm very glad I went. Who would you rather have in your team? 2013 Frank Ribéry or an informed current Neymar? 2013 Frank Ribéry. 20... Yeah, basically, was, like, even if I... Awesome. I play Neymar, of that team. Yeah. I want informed Neymar, like, right now, over... Like, if, if you gave me 2011, 2012 Ribéry, maybe. 2013's pushing it for me. Why is that pushing it? No, 2013 Ribery, that was him and his best. That's when he should have won the um, Ballon d'Or. Mm. Ballon d'Or? 
that was his Ballon d'Or year. Yeah, that was, was his it? Ballon d'Or year. I thought yeah. his Ballon d'Or year was 2012. Nah, 2013, man. Well, I thought 2013 See? was Robin. No, no, no. 2013 oh. was when Bayern won the treble. And yeah. Ribéry was the... No, no, Ribéry was the... That, he was the guy. Ribéry... Wait, watch me. Year, treble year Bayern is Ribéry's year. That was Ribéry's year. That was Ribéry's year, man. <laughs> okay, guys. Year. Shit. That's, that's the year where Ribery punched Robin in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Inform Manchester United Cristiano Ronaldo or an inform Hazard. Why would you ask us that? Uh, that's a really good question. Hazard is a better dribbler than Manchester United Cristiano Ronaldo. It, no, you know what? It, it, it depends on the system that you're playing. It depends on the system that you're playing. I was about to say the same thing. Because if you're playing a counter-attacking system, Cristiano United is far better. If you're playing a possession-based system like what um, Conte is doing right now, then the hazard is better. So it depends on, 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 on it depends on the players you have and the system that you play. Homerism, I'm going to go Ronaldo. I'm going to have to pick Ronaldo. Homerism. Better long-range shooting, free kicks, and he's better in the air. Yeah, I was like, Ronaldo's the obvious answer there. I mean, yeah, no, from, I, I love Hazard, but... Yeah, like I, I really love that. Listen, I'd rather pick the because I, I I can depend more on a Cristiano Man United to right. have an impact than and even if he's in form, I'll still say an inform Cristiano Man United is far more reliable to win to win 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 me a game and do do me something than an inform Hazard. So inform Cristiano. Did we just get double H to say something nice about Ronaldo? You said I always say so nice said, about. You sh- said three nice things about Ronaldo. <laughs> The next question is a good one. Um, and I don't have a good answer. Maybe someone in here will. Um, who would you rather have in your team? Chelsea's Fernando Torres or Manchester United's Falcao? Oh, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> Chelsea's, Chelsea's Torres. <laughs> You know what's interesting? Well, you see, the, the question about this is basically these players have no ACLs and they both need the ball to feet. Chelsea's Chelsea's goal. Blondie. So I will pick Blondie. Night. Mm. Fal- yeah, Fal- Manchester United. Do anything. Falcao. I'll pick Falcao. I'll, I'll pick Falcao because Falcao, Falcao was let down by Van Gaal's system. I want mm. Falcao and I'll explain yeah, why. I'll, I'll Falcao. Because Falcao's doing stuff for Monaco. So. I want Manchester United Falcao because it he won't play. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yo>. cheating. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the the reason being is Chelsea Torres was signed with the intent to replace Didier Drogba. So they gave him every fucking opportunity to usurp Didier Drogba. And it didn't work. If you look at if you look how much money Chelsea spent to try to get rid of DDA Jogba when they should have just bought a striker to go with him, it's ridiculous. Shevchenko, Torres, uh, Anelka, Sturridge, Lukaku. Well, Anelka was to play with Jogba. Come on. No, 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 no. He was to replace Jogba. No, no, no. Carlos, Carlos, But I'm saying they spent upwards of like. 150 million pounds trying to find the next drug guy. And they spent 50 of that on Torres. 
which means if you choose Chelsea Torres, it's with the ex- expectation that he's actually going to play like 30, yeah. 35 games out of a season. And you can't yeah, have that. Yeah. I think yeah. he played 110 Premier League games. He scored 20 goals. He And four of those are against uh, QPL. He missed an so. open goal. The open goal ah, against ah, United. Ah, ah, ah. One of the best days of my life. That is the worst miss ever. <laughs> One of the best days of my life. It's not his fault. He had no knees. Yes, it was. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. The guy, the guy. What what pisses me off the most about that? It was like one of the few times that I saw Ramirez actually do something positive moving (laughs) forward. His pass to put Torres through, it was great. Like, it was a world class pass. All these and Torres, he he gets it around (laughs) Vandersar, and I'm like, okay. And it just goes past that left post, and I'm looking. I don't remember what I did. I know I was mad. I just don't remember it. I just blanked. I was oh, like, is this buddy. guy serious? I can't. I just can't have him in my team off principle. All I'm right. sorry. And deep, All right, That's fine. That's fine. People All try right, to justify question. this. Yeah. There are no more questions, so let me rant. Okay. People try <laughs> to justify Fernando Torres. He won a corner. Oh my fucking good! He won a corner in the Champions League final. Yay! He he scored the most overrated, over celebrated, unnecessary ass goal at the Camp Nou, and it justified fifty million. They were already through with the with the Ramirez. No, 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 look, no, 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 Daniel. Everyone understands that it was a waste of money. Every I was one of the leaders in saying, look, people this guy. try to justify it because he scored an unnecessary goal. Nah, nah, he, nah, round, nah. he rounds Valdez to make it two-two. They were already through on aggregate. If he kicked it out of the stand, the the next goal kick, the game would have been over. He was useless, useless. Do you know I suffered? This is how I picked up the mentality that I, no, no, no. Every player that comes to Chelsea now, I have zero expectation. Because when Torres signed, I was one of the most happy people that you would have ever met. It was like deadline oh. day, 50 million. I was so happy. And he ruined any me. expectation for the next, for the rest of my life. I don't expect anything from anybody. <laughs> I'm serious. It's not a joke. I, well, I'm lost. And also, oh. buying Torres allowed Sturridge to go to Liverpool. In a way oh. they, and they were so dead set on trying to make sure that Fernando Torres worked, that they sacrificed Lukaku's chances. They sacrificed Sturridge's chances. And the last few good years of Didier Drogba were spent trying to figure out how to work for It pisses me off so much. And I don't want to keep you guys up late at night because I could say this to myself and be perfectly content. So, no, 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 it seems like if you've been thinking about this in a, in a dark, cold room for a long time. So guys, let it out, man. Let it all out, baby. I'm done. Do it. We'll do have another episode with just players we hate. We'll have a player rant. We'll have a rant cast later on. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna ask Double H about Jesus quickly. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, because I've I've got to fly. We'll we'll save it for the next week's app. Okay. Not gonna fly, baby. All right, guys. Uh, this has been the Talking Tactics podcast. Um, we do this every Tuesday. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, do it. And we'll figure out if you're on UK, US, and we'll read it out. Um, like I said, follow us on Twitter individually. Do we got anything we need to plug, guys? Half a hawk, baby. Oh, 
Yeah, man. Half or pods. Keep it, keep it, keep it real, man. Keep it real. Uh, I write a medium essay, 600 words every week. So if you're on medium, look up Karl Anker. About, I wrote 1,000 a, a words this week about why Messi doesn't get the same gushing sport write-ups. And I think it's something to do with who he is as a person. And get back to me. So check that out. But other than that, I'm all good. I'm actually, I'm actually looking at the article right now. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, guys, thank you for listening. Talking Texas podcasts. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. But always, always football. Podcast Network.